I want to suggest to you that what you've just listened to is the sound of the world. This is the sound of the world that we live in today. Right? Now, you're not all convinced. Okay? So I want to explain to you that the, this is the sound of people talking, chatting, chatter. But I want to suggest to you that there's a new kind of talking and chatter that is among us. And it's happening whenever, wherever we are 24-7. So listen to the world's... There's a new word for it. The modern word for talking or chatter is called broadcasting. It's actually a very old word. Broadcasting. Now they've taken it and made it a new fashionable new word. Broadcasting. This is what the world, world, world is chatting and chatter. This is the chatter that's going on around us right now as we sit here this morning, okay? Facebook. There are currently, and when I say monthly active users, that means people who are every month actively engaging, okay? There are currently, let me start and give you some context. There are roughly 7.8 billion people in the world, okay? Let's give you an idea. There are about 2.4 billion monthly active Facebook users in the world. Every day, every day, more than 5 billion pieces of content is shared on Facebook. Every single day, more than 5 billion pieces of information and content is shared. There are 1 billion monthly active users with Instagram and a billion photos and videos are uploaded per day. A billion. There are 326 million monthly active users on Twitter. Half a billion tweets are made per day. There are 2 billion monthly active users on YouTube. 5 billion videos are watched per day. There are three, 630 million active LinkedIn users. There are more than 30 million podcast episodes. There are over 2 billion websites and half a billion blogs to name but a few. There are many other platforms where the chatter is going on. So my question is this, if all these people are broadcasting, speaking, talking, sharing their opinions, their views, their tweets, their posts, their likes, my question is this, who's listening? Who is listening? Because everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. And like that soundbite we just heard, I, I, I listen to that soundbite and it's in a cafe. And I ask myself, who on earth is listening? Because it sounds like everybody's talking. And I want to ask that. Who is really listening today? Are we really listening? Experts in the world of listening say that only 2% of the world's population has been taught how to listen. We were all taught how to read, write, and speak. My mom did not teach me how to listen. She just told me constantly, listen, you better listen now. No, you're not listening. I'm telling you, listen now. Listen to me. But nobody taught me how to listen. We've not been taught how to listen. And yet we spend about 55% of our daily time listening. Experts in this field have done research and they've, they've developed something called the 125-400 rule. Now, this is what they found. On average, and some of you might be a little bit above average and some a little bit below average, but by and large, the average human being talks at a pace of 125 words per minute. Okay? Now... That same person that's talking at 125 words per minute, the human brain processes, on average, 400 words per minute. So for every minute that somebody is talking, 
they're speaking 125 words. There's 175 words that they're not saying that they thought about. So the chances that they are going to be able to express their best 125 words out of the 400 that they have choices from are very slim. So listening is not only listening to what is said, listening is more so listening to what is not said. We can't even listen to what is said. We struggle to listen without finishing somebody's sentence. We struggle without listening and without interrupting people. We are so kind and generous that we want to spare somebody the other 25 words that they were going to say because I know what you're going to say. So let me just jump in here and share with you my 125 words quickly because I've got 400 buzzing in my mind and I can't pick which one to choose. So let me save you out of your predicament of talking because it must be so tiring. So let me do the talking, you can sit and listen. Hearing is a function of the ear. You can be deaf and still be a good listener. So there is a significant difference between hearing and listening. Listening is a function of the whole person. Listening is a function of the mind, the soul, the heart. It's where we get these phrases. What you just said, it really touched my heart. We don't say, what you just said, it really touched my eardrum. <laughs> wow, listening to that story really moved me. Or do we say, listening to that story really tickled my eardrum. I could feel it vibrating. It was so moving. And so often we would say, Oh, I, I see what you mean. How on earth do we see what you mean? <laughs> if it goes through my ear. But I see what you mean. You can't see words. You can't see sound. But we do say, I see what you mean. And there's a truth in that. We're going to look at that today. It involves much more than picking up sound. Before book CDs, internet phones, etc. Culture was to transform transfer information orally. It's called oral tradition or oral law. People used to um, be taught how to listen well so that they can memorize pieces of scripture, memorize pieces of the Torah, memorize it because there wasn't a lot of books available even when papyrus was discovered. There were very few books available. So people had to learn to listen very well. <coughs> the custom tradition was that Jews would gather regularly in a town square and then somebody would start reading the law without an audio sound system that we've got here. I mean, I'd struggle, my voice was strange just to talk to three, four hundred people here today without this, this microphone over here. But they did that regularly. Jesus taught thousands of people out on the hillside, just with his voice. Can you, uh, can you imagine how people needed to listen? Can you, under, can you imagine the approach that they had to listen? Can you imagine the attitude and value they placed on the art of listening? Because they couldn't press pause or rewind. They couldn't record Jesus and then play it again. He gave it to them once. He gave it to them once. That's it. If you missed it, you've missed it. Because he's moving on to another town. And yet people caught it. How did they manage to do that? And what can we learn from them in terms of the art of listening? I believe that kind of art is the art that James is reminding people of. You can put that first slide for me. James 1.19. We're in the middle of James. We're still at the beginning. No, we're not in the middle of James. We're at the beginning of James. We haven't moved far from chapter 1. Tony went and wet his toes in chapter 2 last week, but came right back to chapter 1 again. And now I've brought us back to chapter 1. So I think we're going to be in James for a while. 
In James 1.19, he says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is the verse we're going to look at today. And to be honest, there's so much right there that I'm going to have time to look into all of it. So I'm going to look into this, this, this part of it. You can put the next slide for me. There we go. Four words. That's your scripture for today. Be quick to listen. Excellent. Great. Have a lovely lunch. I will see you here next week. James, we have to understand now. Context. James was writing to them before the Gospels were written. Okay? James was writing to them before the Gospels were written. So the Gospels that they, the gospel that they had is a Gospel they had received. And James calls it in verse 18, the word of truth which you had received that gave you the new birth. Now James is saying to them, you, everybody should be quick to listen because you may have missed something. He reminds them that this is a culture. He reminds them that this is your attitude. You should have this approach. You should position yourself to be quick to listen. I believe this is a type of listening that I can define as, as a deep, deliberate, deliberate, attentive listening. Deep listening. It's very different to what we do today in our casual conversations. We, as this human species, have lost this art we have lost this value. Listening has the potential for transformation. Not only for the listener, but for the speaker. Deep, attentive, deliberate and conscious listening is an act of love. When you listen to somebody, you show them love. You show them value. When you listen deeply, you give them your full attention. You relinquish your right to speak, your right to voice your opinion, your right to object, your right to respond. You're simply listening. You're saying, I value what you have to say. It's an act of love. And I want to suggest this. You will not love well until you learn to listen well. You will not love well until you learn to listen well. Jesus, when asked about the greatest command, they were trying to trick him, the teachers of the law, and asked him, which one is the greatest? Give us the greatest one. And this is what, God, what Jesus really said to them. When he summarized the whole of the Torah, all of the books of the law, he literally just said this, love well. Love well. And what's beautiful is that Jesus didn't tell them what to do. He also told them how. With regards to God, he said love God is what? How? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Not with all your ears. With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second which he said, which is love others. And he also gave the how, which we often miss. In the same way that you love yourself. So if we consider this same principle for listening as an act of love... We have to ask ourselves, how are we listening to God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind? And are we listening to others in the same way that we're willing to listen to ourselves? Now James, as an apostle, is doing in this instance, in this letter, in this culture, he's doing exactly what the apostolic ministry does. It comes and interrupts culture. The apostolic ministry comes and changes culture. The apostolic ministry comes and, and, and reminds people, and he's doing this with the Jews that are scattered over the Mediterranean. He's reminding them that you have a different culture. 
You need to live differently. You need to love differently. And you definitely have to listen differently. You have to show up differently. Different approach to life, attitude toward life, and positioning towards life, as opposed to their pre-Christ position and attitude and approach. And James was concerned that they were being influenced more by the culture around them than they were influencing the culture around them. And this is true. This is what was happening. Because they got lost in riches and business, etc., and they got caught up more by the worlds around them than they were influencing the culture around them. And James was concerned with this. And throughout the book, that's why he's telling people, live different, love different, act different, behave different, be different. And in this instance, he's saying, listen different. The first word we have to consider in the scripture where he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. The word take note of this, the Greek word is the word ido, which means mentally seeing. Mentally see this. It's a mentally seeing that becomes knowing and then is a gateway to grasp spiritual truth. So he's saying to them, get ready to grasp a spiritual truth. He's not merely talking about a function of the ear. He's saying, get ready. You now need to mentally see this in such a way that you grasp spiritual truth. I'm about to give you a spiritual truth. And then the first thing he says is, be quick. The word takus, which means swift, speedy, ready, prompt, without delay, without time lapse. Immediacy is conveyed. Straight away, right away. Don't think... Don't, consider, don't, don't think about your own thoughts. Don't think what... Just quickly, speedily, be ready. This is a spiritual truth. Position yourself. You must have this attitude towards listening. That is the first thing you do. When somebody wants to speak, the first thing you do. When you walk into a room, please don't answer and tell me, but notice, are you looking... For someone to listen to? Or are you looking for somebody to talk to? <laughs> and I want to tell you this. He doesn't say, be quick to listen and don't speak. He's saying, slow to speak. He's talking about a, an attitude of curiosity. When you speak, keep, be slow to speak and ask questions. Be curious. You're sharing something with me. Tell me more. If you want to bless someone, if you take nothing else away from this today, take these three words. Tell me more. You will blow people's minds. Very few people ask them that. Oh, I'm just yeah, I'm really having a tough time these days. I'm really struggling, just going through a really difficult time. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure, that's, that's tough, right? What stuff? They've told you nothing. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, actually, actually, we've just had some real bad news in the family. Oh, tell me more. Wow. And suddenly this person is opening up their heart. And suddenly your heart is opening up to this person. And suddenly there's this, this, this bond that happens just through three little words. Tell me more. You will really bless people when you do this. This morning I want to look at two examples from the Old Testament where we see excellent examples of this taking place. One is an individual situation and one is a corporate situation. And I'm not going to put the scriptures up there because I want you to listen. I want you to stretch the capacity of your listening skills. I want you to mentally see what I'm saying or see what the Word is saying. I want you to, to envision this context of these stories. The first one is from 1 Samuel 
3. And it's a story of Eli and Samuel. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of background, and then I'll read through the scripture and touch on some of the learnings that we can grab from the scripture and this passage around the art of listening. Elkanah is a man who had two wives, Penina and Hannah. Now, Penina was able to bear children. Hannah was not. She was barren. And this caused a lot of conflict between Penina and Hannah, especially from Penina's side, lording that over Hannah. But Elkanah had a real soft place for Hannah, and he loved her more. But she felt so guilty and sad that she could not bear him children. So every year they went up to Shiloh. Shiloh was a place after the Israelites has, has, has crossed into the promised land. That is where they set up the tent of the tabernacle. They set it up in Shiloh. And that would be the, the meeting tent in the meeting space, the sanctuary, where the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the, in the Holy of Holies. And that is where people would then come from wherever they were in the promised land. And they will regularly come once a year to come and uh, bring sacrifices to the, to the tabernacle. And so at one of these annual visits, um, Hannah was praying outside the tabernacle and Eli was sitting outside. And at first, she was praying to God about this ordeal that she desperately wants to, to bear a child uh, and ask God if you would give me a son. She was literally saying that if you would give me a son, I will give him to you, God. I will give him to you to serve you, God. I will set him apart as a Nazarene, as a Nazarite. And they will be set apart, consecrated for you, my God. She was praying this. And, and Eli was noticing, but she wasn't speaking very loudly. So at first, Eli thought she was drunk. So he came to tell her off. Talk about an assumption. He didn't ask her any questions. Like, good morning, ma'am. What seems to be the problem? You seem to be in, in distress. No, he just goes and says, what are you doing here? You're probably drunk. What an assumption. He, he had not even asked one question. He just made an How often do we do this? How often do we just make assumptions without having inquired a single question? One single question that can change your whole understanding of that situation or what that person is going through. And this is my concern. This is my concern with Facebook. I'm not against these social media platforms, but I want to tell you that people have forgotten to do face look. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying on Friday, we had a staff thing, and there was no reception up there at Silver Mine. And one of the guys said, it's so wonderful, there's no access here to internet, so no WhatsApp, no Facebook, so everybody has to sit and actually, I mean, are you ready for this? I mean, it's, what we force people to do is just up, uh, absurd. They had to sit and talk to each other. Yeah. Like real, like face look. Yeah. Like I look at your face, you look at my face, and now I post something. Yeah. And then you tell me if you, if you like it. And then I say, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. Face look. Watch out for it. I'm coming for it. I'm going to start a new revolution. Face look. Eli didn't do that either, so be of great cheer. Yet when she shared with him and she spoke, Eli listened to her. He listened to her and he had compassion on her and he prayed a blessing over her. And she later had a son and she called him Samuel, which means heard by God or God listened. What a name. God listened. God listened. She didn't call him Eli listened. She called him God listened. Heard by God. What a deep, beautiful thing. I was heard. The, the human being's greatest longing and need is to belong, is to be connected, is to be heard. Because to be heard is to be valued. To be valued is to be accepted. And to be accepted is to exist. So Samuel, at this stage, rather than reading through it, I might just uh, paraphrase through it for time. Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. 
and he was working along in the, in the area of the sanctuary. And at that time, um, one evening, Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the, of God was. And the Lord called Samuel and he said, Samuel said, here I am, and ran to Eli, uh, obviously in another place, in another room, different outer rooms in the, in the, in the, around the sanctuary at that time. And he said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. Okay, so he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli the second time. Here I am, for you called me. I did not call you, my son. Go listen down. Eli's not listening. He's not listening. He's hearing, I hear what you say, but I'm not listening. He took Eli a third time. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived. Then Eli perceived. That word perceived means to have discernment, insight, and understanding. By the third time, Eli tuned in to not just hear what, his, what Samuel was saying, but to listen. He had insight, discernment, and understanding, which he did not have before. Although he's heard this twice before, by the third time, he tuned in to actually listen to the young boy. Samuel was about 12 or 13 years old. He was a youngster, but he was worth listening to. It. He was worth listening to. And Eli did eventually. And when he did, as he perceived, the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, let me just say that it says further in the passage, and why this is so important, because the word of the Lord were very, was very scarce in those days. Very scarce. So this, to happen, not to Eli, the chief priest, the high priest, but to ha happen to a 12-year-old boy. I mean, Eli could have just ignored it and be like, oh no, I'm not going to tell him about this. He could have been all sorts of jealous. In that time, because the word of the Lord was not frequent and, 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 and common at that time. And here the word of the Lord comes directly, audibly, to a young boy, 12 years old. But Eli, Eli perceived and he realized, the Lord is talking to you. He said to him, go lie down and if, the, if, if he calls you, you shall say, okay, right here, Eli is now teaching the young boy how to listen okay how to prepare for listening he says this is what you need to say he's training him okay this is what you need to say and he's going to say something different don't say here i am you called me which he said three times the fourth time he's going to change his tune he said this time when when you hear him the lord call you say this speak lord for your servant is listening. Not here I am. You called me. Speak Lord. For your servant is listening. That word listening there. Means to listen with interest. And intelligently. With the implication of attention and obedience. I wish my kids would get this. <laughs> to listen to me with interest and intelligently. With implication of attention and obedience. But you know what? As a father, that's what I would love my children to do. And you know what? As a father, that's what God would love your, His children, us, to do. He's gifted us. He's given us the, the ability to listen to Him with interest. Are we listening to God this way? Are we listening to God with interest? Intelligently, God's gifted us all with intelligence. Are we using that intelligence to listen to God? To listen to His voice? To listen to His word? Are we listening in a way that, that implies attention and obedience? Are we listening?
God came and stood as before Samuel for the fourth time. And like I said, Samuel had a different approach. His attitude was different. His, his positioning was different. And his listening was much more than just with his ears. He was listening with a readiness to be moved, to act on what was being spoken. And James is talking to his audience and he's encouraging them to listen in such a way. We find that in the rest of James, he talks into the space of not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. To listen with the implication of attention and obedience. That is what, what he is saying. Be quick to listen with attention and obedience so that you can act, so that you can respond, so that you can be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. How many of us are hearers of the word and not doers of the word? How many of us are sitting here and God has been speaking to you for years? God has been speaking to you about certain things that you should stop doing, certain things that you should start doing, certain things that you should be doing differently. However, we have convinced ourselves again and again and again that it's not God, it's not that important, and God would not expect that from me. Actually, it can't be God. Yet, deep inside of you, it is God, and you know that it's God. My dad used to say to me, Anton, listen to me. And I listened, because I can still remember it. You can fool some of the people some of the time. But you can never fool all of the people all of the time. I said, yo, that's a bit deep. He said to me, and my boy, the one person you will never be able to fool is the man in the mirror. Folks, some of us have to, got to go and stand in the mirror. Some of us have got to go and listen to ourselves. I want to ask you, are you listening to yourself? Are you actually listening to the things you are saying to yourself? Who are you listening to? Who are we listening to? What are the voices that are influencing us? What are the voices that we are listening to? The self-talk that we have going around and around the same old mountain again and again and again. We cannot understand why we are still stuck in this situation. We are stuck in this, 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 this challenge, this struggle, this suffering and are we listening to what we're saying to ourselves are we paying attention are we listening with interest are we listening to some of the things that we are making truths this whole movement across the world that's going out there about what's your truth just listen to your truth. I want to say to you, please don't listen to your truth. Because the heart is deceitful. Don't listen to your truth. James is not telling people to listen to their truth. He's reminding him to listen to the word of truth which they received. Which came directly from Jesus. It's the word of truth. What are the voices that we are listening today? Some of us have had people who love us, sit with us, talk to us, and God has used those people to speak to you and give you the answers that you need to get out of this mess that you're in. And you've not turned a blind eye, you've turned a deaf heart. You've heard them through your ear, but you have not seen the truth of God in that situation. And your heart has become hardened to the words of God. What are they meddling in my business with? We get offensive. Why are they? That was so offensive what you said there. But are we really listening? Are we willing to listen to when somebody comes and a brother or sister comes and gives us feedback? Are we really willing to listen with soft hearts, pliable hearts, that true, to believe that God can speak to somebody else, to me? They love you. People who are close to us and we've just discarded it. We've ignored it. And we sit in the same mess that we've been for how many days, weeks, months and even years. Even Joshua. God says to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. Why does God say to him three times, be strong and courageous? Because God knew what Joshua was about to go into. It's a promised land, but they needed to go and take the promised land. And God needed to make sure that this youngster is listening to me. 
I know you can hear me, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Got it, God. I will be strong and courageous. No, no. Joshua, uh, let me just say it again. Be very strong and courageous, Joshua. Yep, got that one down. Joshua, listen to me. I am your father. My son, what you are about to go into, you are going to need strength and courage like you've never in your life needed it before. Do you hear me, my son? I believe Joshua heard. Joshua heard the Lord. He listened to the Lord. And within him, then the courage came because he had listened. And he did everything that God told him to do. He did everything that God told him to do. Jesus did everything that the Father told him to do. I do only that which the Father tells me to do. Jesus was an ultimate listener. Ultimate listener. And the results was victory, freedom, peace, joy. All from listening. Peter, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Yeah, of course I do. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, of course I do. Peter, do you love me? And even Peter got offended. Lord, of course you know I love you. Sure. Was Peter really listening to what Jesus was really asking? Because three times, not so long after that, three times, was it after or before? Before. Peter, before that, Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times he denied Jesus. When Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times, he wasn't listening. And then three times he says, I don't know this man. Second time, I don't know this man. He wasn't listening to what he was saying. By the third time, he, saw, he heard the, the, the cock crow. And suddenly he listened to himself. He heard himself and he was ashamed. He was distraught. And then we have the, the case afterwards where, sorry, on the, on the beach where Jesus speaks to him and asks him three times again, do you love me? Do you love me? There, it is important to hear things sometimes for the second and third time. So often in a conversation, even with somebody else, it is important to ask them, can you just, can you just say that to me in a different way, please? I just want to make sure I'm hearing, I'm hearing what you're really saying. I want to make sure that I hear your heart here. Please, can you just tell me that in a different way? And then you realize, oh, and then we say, okay, now I see what you mean. Not now I hear what you mean. Now I see what you mean. I got it. I was thinking this. Well, normally we go with I'm thinking this and I'm going that because I'm thinking that. I must be right. We are more wrong than what we think. Talk less, listen more. That's what James is saying. The second example is a passage from Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8. I'll run through this again, just paraphrase quickly. You'll be happy to give me another 10 minutes? Is that alright? Don't really have a choice, do you? Just repeat that in a different way. Set your butt down. Okay, so the Persian Emperor Cyrus was ruling at the stage, right? It's 539 BC. He, they conquered Babylon, and all Jews who were exiled in Babylon, in Babylonia, were then for 70 years had been given a decree by Cyrus that they could return and rebuild the temple and return to their homelands. Now, almost a hundred years later, Nehemiah is sitting and he learned something about Jerusalem's walls that are still lying in ruins. Okay? And he's asking Artaxerxes, the king at that time, he was governor, if he can have permission to go back to Jerusalem. Right? To rebuild. And they ended up building under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of... Uh, um, um, Challenging circumstances. Um, they, they were building literally with one hand on their weapon and one hand with a truffle. Yeah. Right? Or a hammer. Yeah. Because there they were, they were forces and people who did not want them to complete and achieve what they were yeah. going to achieve. 
Now, what is it that Nehemiah caused Nehemiah to go back and do that? Because they rebuilt that wall in record time, 52 days. Right? 52 days. They rebuilt that wall. It didn't take 52 days to build that wall in the first place. It took a long, much longer time. Okay? In record time. So what was it that Nehemiah caused Nehemiah to do this? In Nehemiah 1, we hear this. One of, one of, they said to me, uh, um, Judah, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned, the, I questioned them, right? See, I questioned, okay? And now he's about to receive information from them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4, Nehemiah said, writes this, When I heard these things, when I heard these things, it is the same word that is used in 1 Samuel 3.10 when he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's the word Shammah. Nehemiah they, uses the same word. When I heard these things. In other words, when I was listening with interest and intelligently with the implication of attention and obedience. This is the way that Nehemiah was listening to Hanani. And he was sharing these things. And listen what happened to Nehemiah on the inside of Nehemiah. Listen what happened to Nehemiah. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I sat down and wept. I sat down and wept. What he heard touched his heart so deeply. He was listening with such an open heart that it, it moved him to tears. Have you listened to something before and it moved you to tears? I've listened to music and it's moved me to tears. I've listened to piano music or classic music where there's no words and it's moved me to tears. Why? Because I'm listening with a deep, deep listening with all of my heart and all of my soul, my emotions, my will, my mind. I'm listening, I'm receiving what is being done. It's such a beautiful thing that it, it moves me to tears. Some of us need to be moved to tears. Some of us need to be moved to tears because we know we've not been listening to God. We know we've not been listening to God. And some of us need to be moved to tears. This is what happened to Nehemiah. And it was that which caused Nehemiah to then, because he was listening with the implication of attention and obedience, to then respond. And he went to, he was sad in the presence of his king. He was a cupbearer. He risked his life. The cupbearer was there to keep the, 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 the king happy and upbeat. He was sad. And Artaxerxes looks at him and says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And he's like, oh my days. I've been busted. I'm not allowed to be sad in the presence of the king. And yet the king listens. He listens to Nehemiah's share from his heart. And the king is moved. He is moved. His heart is pierced for, for the pain and suffering of his people. And he says, Nehemiah, he grants Nehemiah's request to write a letter to give him safe passage. He, he gives him a letter for safe passage and he gives him access to timber, etc., etc. He blesses him. He finds favor with the king. Because the king decided, I'm going to listen to my cupbearer. He's just my cupbearer. But he's sad. And he, he shows him an act of love. An act of love. An intimate act of love. I'm going to listen to you. God wants, to show, wants you to show an act of love to him. Are you going to listen to God? Are you going to listen to his word? Now at the end of the 52 days, the people gather together. And this is the scene in Nehemiah 8. They gather together and the first thing they say is that they want them, the scribe Ezra, to go and get the word of God. 
They want them to read the Word of God. We must remember that they were in exile for many years before that. And so a lot of the customs and, and rituals that they had and traditions of listening to the Word regularly may have faded away. But there was a surge of, 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 of passion and encouragement and they were getting together again. The people of, of, of God are coming together again. They're rebuilding the ancient ruins. They're repairing the breach. They're putting it together. And they've got a lot of resistance, but they're trusting in God. Because Nehemiah had listened. He listened and he was moved. He listened and he was moved. And this was prophesied 200 years even before that, 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 that Nehemiah would go and do this. So they were ready. The people of God were coming together again. And so they say, please, just outside the water gate, they said, go and get the book of the law, which the Lord had given to Israel to obey. And they got together and the priests and they brought the book of law and everybody who could listen and understand came together and they faced the square. And they, from early morning until noon, they read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. They listened closely. Do you want to guess what word they used there for listen? It's the same word that Nehemiah had when he listened to Anani. It's the same word that Samuel used when he listened to God. This is how the people listen. Shama. They listen in this way. This was their approach, their attitude, their positioning to the word of the Lord. The scribes were reading from the book of the law. They were positioned. And listen what happens to the people as they're sitting there. As they're sitting there, they're reading the word of the Lord and explaining and instructing them. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God of all the people, and, and all the people chanted, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with, with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand, helping them to understand. This is all happening before the Holy Spirit was poured out. We're sitting on this side of the new covenant where the Holy Spirit is helping us to understand. Helping us, the great helper. Jesus said, I will send you, I will give you the great helper. Helping us to understand. So if we don't understand something, we have got the Holy Spirit to help us understand. It's called revelation. And God wants to give each and every one of us a revelation. Not just an inspiration, a revelation. He wants to reveal His heart for you. He wants to reveal His plans for you. That relationship that's broken down, that marriage that is on the edge of breaking down, that child who is, uh, you, you feel that you've lost his way and is gone. God wants to give you understanding in this time. He wants to speak to you. Your financial situation, God wants to speak to you about that. Your emotional discontent right now, your mental health, your physical health, your ailing, your suffering. God wants to talk to you about it. Will you listen to Him? Will you stop listening to your whining and complaining? Will you listen to the Word of God? Are we ready as a people of God to listen? Not listen to Oprah and not listen to all the self-help books out there. Not listening to everybody else who's on Facebook telling us everything we should be doing. But listening to the Word of God. Because it's the word of truth that James was telling them. Go back to your roots and listen to the word that gave you birth in the first place. The salvation of the Lord. You heard that word and it changed you on the inside out. It transformed you. Listen to that word. That's the source you should be listening to. And that's the source we're preaching out today. That's the source that comes from this pulpit. We cannot preach what we think. We have to preach what the word of God says. And the people listened closely. Their ears of the people were attentive. And listen what happened to the people. Something happens because Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to the people, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord our God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. What was going in on inside of them? What were they feeling? 
The warning, the mourning and weeping is a word to bewail, to bemoan, to express grief and sorrow. It implies a regret for the loss of something of value. The state of being diminished or weakened or damaged, especially mentally and physically. The breakdown in family values. The lament implies a profound or demonstrative expression of sorrow. That's the impact the word of God had on the people. It wrecked them. And yet, we come to church every single Sunday and we hear the same word of God. How much are we valuing what God's word is to us? How much are we willing to listen deeply with soft, pliable hearts? And then we have this beautiful thing that Nehemiah says. He says to them, there, there, that's okay. It's okay. It's powerful. It's the word of God. Yes. Yes. But, but no more. You've wept now. The time for weeping is over. It's for, don't mourn anymore. Don't weep anymore. Go, go and celebrate. This is the Father God. This is the heart of the Father we serve. He says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Be extravagant. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected or sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you know that that's where that came from? Do you understand the context of that word? Because we all have that on speed dial. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do we understand how that joy of the Lord being my strength came through? From a listening that moved and touched their hearts to weeping and sorrow and grief. From that the father says no. No. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ. Therefore you can rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice. Go eat rich foods. God wants you to sit at a table. He wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to have holy communion with you. How long are we going to resist it? I want to ask you today. I want to encourage you today. That today will be the day that you listen. Tracy, could you come and just play something here? This is what James was encouraging the people to do. And this is what I want to encourage you today. I want to ask you to take a moment to respond. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Because today is between you and the Father. I want you to just sit and as she plays some, some gentle music, I want you to just sit there. And I want you, if you need to repent, repent now. If you need to weep, weep now. Because by the time you walk out here, the time for weeping is finished. It's over. If you need to listen to God attentively with the, with the implication of obedience, make that decision today and say, God, I'm going to listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've not listened. I'm sorry I've been... I've made up all these excuses. I've made up all these things. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. He's gracious. He's merciful. He doesn't want to lord it over you. His son paid the price. His son paid the price by his blood. Jesus, sitting in the garden of Gethsemane, said, God, if there's any other way, can you let this cup be taken from me? But not my will, your will. Jesus was in agony. He was suffering at the time, but yet he was willing to listen to God. And you know what? God was silent. God was silent. And the silence often is where God appears. This is what happened with Elijah. When he sat in the cave, stood in the cave. God was not in the storm. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. And Elijah knew those those manifestations because he had seen God call down fire from heaven. He had seen the storms approaching. But no, this time with Elijah, God 
appeared in a still small voice. The, the Hebrew there is a word, it's, it means thin silence. God, God's presence appeared in the space between the words. Sometimes we've got to listen to the silence of God. We've got to sit in silence. So I want to take a minute. Let's just close our eyes. Let God, let God receive our attention. Let's receive from Him today what it is that He wants to say to you this morning. If you've been moved, touched, if your heart's been pierced by the Word of the Lord today, I encourage you to respond to God the Father right now. He's a gracious, loving Father. He's been waiting for this moment. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, then I want you to come to the front here after the service. I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. If you want to listen to the good news of Jesus Christ who saves, to the gospel that will give you new birth, if you want to listen to that today, I want you to just come to the front here on my left afterwards. And let's respect the space in the front. Just sit. We're going to do this for one minute. Thank you. That's one minute. One minute. It's one minute that can change your life. It can change your situation. Just listening to God can transform you forever. I cannot count on my fingers about how many things the Holy Spirit has erased me, me personally, on this topic as I've been preparing. So hear me today, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm listening to what I'm saying. I've been listening to this for the last few months as God has laid this on my heart. And it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. I've I've discovered a new freedom, a new passion, a new zest for life, for God, for His purposes. I've silenced the voices. I've put Satan in his place. Say, get behind me, you liar. You thief. You're the father of lies. Don't speak to me. My ears are not for you. They're for the Lord. My ears are listening to the Lord. And I've got a new rejuvenated power inside of me that is the Holy Spirit's power. It's the power of the gospel. What gave me birth first I said thanks God he never stopped talking to me he never stopped talking to me and he never changed his tune he's just been waiting for me to turn my ear and listen so thank you for doing that this morning and I want to encourage you to continue to do that as we continue into this week and in this journey through chains our primal soft heart as God speaks to us as Steve explained it's a it's a heavyweight boxing match, a couple of big punches, and that's it. So if I've come across harsh to you, you today, please hear my heart. I just want to bring you the word of truth. And I don't want to mince my words because our words are few. 
And I believe that God's heart is for you. He loves you. He's excited about you. He's proud of you. And he wants to, he wants to pour out his spirit into you with new fire. Fire in your bones. Fire in your bones. So if you feel stirred this morning, you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I want to ask you to come to the front. Just come and gather with us here. Some of the elders will be here with us. The rest of you, I'd say, have a wonderful, blessed Father's Day. Be blessed. God blesses you. You are blessed. Go and have a wonderful day. Bless you.